This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. Good game. Switch coming back now. Oh, he's played a loose pass. And Sukarja will get there. Oh, Blackburn's come right out of the area and flattered. Sukarja. And it's gone free. And the keeper's way out of the area. And it's a goal for Ferris. What a great finish. Live interviews. To an ardent football watcher, it was clear in my mind that we had like a bunch of new guys and we'd lost a, a, a you know, big name, big players for us, Scannell, Klein, Ambrose. It, we, we were never going to just come out the block swinging, were we? You know what I mean? Expert analysis. A surprise draw at the end there, Mark. A surprise to no one more than me. We didn't realise we'd scored a second goal. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 Obviously, we'd agreed. Um, basically, we're we're on air. Um, what you're about to hear is um, basically a demonstration of how our um, answer phone service works. Um, I decided that I was going to demonstrate it in whilst drunk on the way back from Burnley. So, if there's anything you hear that offends you in any way, or you know, I mean, hoping hoping it might amuse you in some way as well. But um, but just bear in mind that I was a uh, a little bit drunk, and but I'm hoping it will encourage more of you to. Leave us messages after games that we can then use to shape the show. That's the serious part of it. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, hello, uh, uh, this is uh, it is out of Liv from I I happen to have versus your Crystal Palace. I uh, enjoyed your men running around ditch. Uh, my accent has changed during the course of this phone call. However, just please pay attention to the words I am saying. Uh, I feel your Jim uh, Cannon was poor today, but I I was very big fan of Jesus up front. Uh, Burnley are homosexuals. Uh, no, that is the wrong word. Not homosexuals. They are um, uh, uh, 
a homo sapiens, that's correct. Um, but uh, I was not impressed. Um, thank you and good night. <laughs> Hi there, this is Chad Sideways. I just attended the Palace versus Burnley match at Turf Moor. Man, what a game of football! I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, the, the Palace defending from the uh, Apex marker for the corner flag was uh, was substandard. But other than that, what a game of football! Uh, anyway, um, a little disappointed with the result because you know I'm a Crystal Palace supporter. However, I've got nothing else to say. Uh, my, my friends are here. Uh, um, uh, don't, don't wave at me. My friend David Wade. It's an audio medium, David. Audio. You have to say words. Jesus Christ. Hi, this is uh, Grant. I'm Burnley fan. So, uh, uh, weren't too impressed with y'all. How are you that for up table? Anyway, we were Grant. Grant. Uh, just thought I'd let you know that. And, uh, are you some sort of pigeons or what, eh? Pigeons. The, the lot of you. Anyway, um... Oh, I mean, how are you? Well, there's no need to be rude, is there? Staying out back. Oh, I'm just going to go then. Bye. All right, old radio, this is Jamie Greencore, blimey. All right, HF, isn't it? HF, HF. Anyway, what I was thinking, right, was like, um... <laughs> what I was thinking, yeah, was like, oh, we were shy today, fucking all the way to pedo, don't. Fucking, fucking, what load of shit, fucking Paris lies for every camp, didn't he? Fucking camp. Fucking hold that Ben fucking Pinchon fucking on your show the other day. What camp? He don't know camp. Hiya, whole radio. This is Leo. I'm, um, I'm a Brighton fan, to be quite honest with you, but I do have a sneaking inspiration for Chris Allen. But I couldn't help noticing that you lost today and we won. Have you seen the attendance? Is that the Avex? Avex. Avex. Anyway, uh, well done on your league position. Bye. Hi, uh, my name's Nelson. I'm, I'm Ginger, you know. <laughs> yeah, Ginger, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I've, I've been to uh, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, I've, I've used all the space. <laughs> Fuck. Hello, hello. Um, my name is Rupert Paddington. Um, I was, I have to say, Hope Fair Radio, I'm incredibly disappointed with today's results. Um, I mean, we tried hard, uh, don't get me wrong, I certainly, certainly wouldn't want to criticise the effort of the gentleman on the pitch. However, I do have to say, tactically, we're very naive. Very naive. Um, of course, um, I mean, it's the first game I've seen since 1954. And, uh, and, uh, I beg your pardon? No, I don't want any of your knickknacks. I don't want any! I've never wanted... Uh, I'm terribly sorry. It's a gentleman trying to, to sell me knickknacks. Um, if they were the Scampion Lemon variety, I would have taken them. But uh, they were nice and spicy, and frankly, I have no interest in them. So anyway, I believe I've... I'm sorry, make a pardon? Oh, the trouble is I've given that away by repeating the word Stepton. I'll, um, I'll drop that into conversation in a moment. This message is going on rather. And anyway, um, I just wanted to say, really, I was... Uh, my my accent. Just slip back in there. <clears throat> uh, I mean, generally, as a performance, um, um, one has to be, has to be um, full, full of admiration for the defending of Burnley from... Don't step on my toe! My God. Unbelievable. This place. I'm getting out of here. Getting out of here right now. 
Nice, John Duffy. Eh, Wonder Empty. Eh. Uh, eh. <laughs> John Duffy. Eh. Uh, helicopter, Chris. Eh. Wonder Empty. Are you right? Are you right? Are you right? Are you right? I'm not racist. Hey! Wonder Empty. Hello, I am Zoro, Jess. I would very much like to order a pizza. Do you have the pizza? Jess, I would like the jalapenos. The three of your cheeses. Hello? Hello? Zoro! Jess. Hello, this is Joe. Oh, I can't. Your face, Hello, this is John Duffy. Ha! I will hurry last night for your passage. Hi. Hi. I just wanted to give you a quick call, get a shout out. I just got married, you see. And uh, I want a shout out for my wife. Uh, my wife's called Barry, and uh, he's a sheep. Right. Thanks, pal. Hello, my friend. This is Rick I'm uh, calling to leave a message for my key. My friend, uh, it's a long time no speak. Uh, I'm uh, obviously over here in Johannesburg and uh, waiting for your call. You're supposed to pick up my... Um... Got this. Who am I going to Oh, this is my real voice. Oh, fuck. Um, 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 goodbye. I am so very, 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 very sorry for all of that. I um, didn't realise that we were going to get all of that. So anyway, the, the show has begun. Hi, welcome to Homestead Radio. My name's Chris Hambling. I'm hosting tonight's review of all things Palace from the last week. With me today are John Burgess and Albert Curley. Evening, gents. All right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Sure you want to go on with this? Not really. I don't feel like it now. Mm. But anyway, these those two are here to provide um, some insight of their own on all of tonight's topics of discussion. Uh, in the communication hub tonight is Alex White. Hi, Alex. Bonjour, Christopher. Mm, bonjour, indeed. Uh, Alex will be organising and judging, um, probably negatively, all of your communication with us today. You can tweet us. It's at Whole Radio. That's H O L Radio. Uh, or you can email us, it's radio at homesdale.net, as a fair few people have done already. You can give us a call, it's 0203 and you press 1 to be put through to us, and uh, we'll do our best to answer any calls that we do get. Obviously, you do press 2, you can record a series of drunk voicemails, and then get played out to the entire listenership um, without your consultation. Um, there is also the homesdale.net chat room uh, to join other listeners in conversation during the show. Go to www.wholeradio.net forward slash chat find the guys in there and finally if you're listening on your computer but you'd like to listen on your mobile in the future go to holradio.net forward slash mobile to find out how <clears throat> well our running order tonight is as follows we'll talk about uh, transfers in general including comments on the situation with wilfred zaha as we speak um we'll look back at yesterday's disappointing one nil defeat at the hands of um burnley um managed by sean dyke now of course but um yeah, disappointing result up there, but and a very long journey. Is that, is that his name? Is it okay? Uh, we'll look ahead at uh, Tuesday night's uh, FA Cup replay against Stoke City uh, away there, and finally we'll be looking ahead to the 
well, the return of Dougie Freeman on Saturday uh, as he brings Bolton Wanderers to Sellers Park. And uh, we've sort of got some um, communication already on the fans about how they'll respond to the appearance of Dougie Freeman. Um, and we'll come to discuss that a little bit later on. But um, we'll end the show with a roundup of all of your communication, as well as much of it as we possibly can. A uh, whole thing should be done in around an hour. Uh, but first up, it's uh, your summary of the main news from Selhurst Park this week in News in Brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. The Barclays Development League match against Bolton Wanderers uh, scheduled for Selhurst Park on Monday the 14th of January. Kick-off at 7 o'clock has been postponed. This is due to our opponents being involved in an FA Youth Cup tie on the night. Uh, the match has now been rescheduled for Monday the 29th of April... 2013, kick-off 7pm at Sellers Park. Palace have completed the loan signing of Man City striker Alex Nimley on loan for the rest of the season. The forward, who can also play wide, has spent time on loan at the likes of Middlesbrough and Coventry and also played in the development game against Palace at Selhurst earlier this season. Manager Ian Holloway said, I've admired... Oh, fed up with a Bristol accent. Albert, you do it. I've admired him for a couple of years. I like his movement, skill and his tenacity. I want him to play for us and get goals and hopefully he'll do that. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Young goalkeeper Ross Simmons has now joined Haribara on loan for a one-month period. Striker Ibris Ikaja has joined Barnet on a one-month loan and will be available for selection for their game this Saturday against Rotherham United. 20-year-old Ikaja has made three appearances for the Eagles, scoring one goal and also been out on loan at Kettering and MK Dons. It's a massacre! It's a massacre! C- calm down, it's only a commercial. A commercial? What for? The St Valentine's Day Massacre. It's a party night being held at Sellers Park. A party night? Yes, there's a bar, a disco and live entertainment throughout the evening. All for £15. That sounds great! When is it? It's on Friday the 15th of February. Ah, right after Valentine's Day. I get it. Who's it for? Palace supporters, you fool. Partners, family, all are welcome. I'm going. Where can I buy tickets? You can buy them online from www.studycentercpfc.org.uk or you can send a cheque to Sellers Park, marked for the attention of the CPFC Study Centre. So, no massacre then? No. No massacre. At least not until we batter Middlesbrough the following day. I'd very much like to congratulate John and Albert on their wonderful acting there. Um, and also that gives you a little bit of a clue as to why um, Albert was, was doing an Al Pacino impression as Ian Holloway as well. But um, yeah, all good stuff. <laughs> um, hopefully you can uh, get along me, to right? that. You've missed me. Yeah, it's been, been terrible without you. I mean, it's been ages. I think it's just... the most eagerly anticipated Palace-related return since Paddy McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, we've had near, nearly one email about it. Inundated, I heard. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, obviously, hopefully none of that was lost. If you go to www.studycentercpfc.org.uk, you can get tickets to that event. And it's uh, well worth it because it's raising money for the um, study centre at Palace to do an absolutely amazing job. But most, you sort of pretty much an unsung thing. You don't know too much about it. Um, with the Eagles fitter fans, I spent a bit of time in the sort of study centre room. And, you, you know, it's, the resources there are great and, and the people there are fantastic. And, you know, if you can please support your club in that way. It'd be great. But anyway, listen, we've got plenty to get on with. And the first thing we're going to talk about, um, I wanted to sort of start off on a positive sort of uh, footing, if you like. 
Um, and that's to talk about the fact that we've brought a player in. And that player is Alex Neemley. We've brought him in from Man City. He plays as a striker, but can play uh, well, in either wide position. And he played, I think he played left wing for Coventry City. So uh, got some pretty good reviews out there. But um, I mean, I want to sort of talk to the guys about it, really. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a little bit of Neemley in the past. Well, you know, playing for, for various clubs, but also for... Um, for the Man City under 21s at the development game, one of the games we commentated on. Obviously, as being they been, I was commentating on it, I was, had to concentrate quite significantly on the game for a change. And um, I mean, he didn't have the best of games in that, and um, and certainly he sort of struck me as someone who was he got himself very very frustrated in that match. Um, started off at the top of the um, sort of leading the line, if you like, and just got deeper and deeper trying to get involved. Uh, you know, and get on the ball because Man City had a lot of players who spend a lot of time sort of, you know, knocking the ball around and just keeping it. And he wasn't seeing a lot of service because the ball wasn't anywhere near him. So, but yeah, he ended up getting frustrated and substituted in that game. But, um, you know, not not, ju- not judging him solely on that one performance. He's, um, he's a ind- very, very quick player, sort of. It's, it's kind of exciting. But, I mean, most people obviously don't really know a great deal about him. If, if I start with you, John, you know anything about him before he signed? Well, no, only the same. Uh, obviously, I was at the Man City game with you, mm. um, and I saw him play there. And again, it wasn't his best showing, but I know he is very highly regarded of at Man City, and um, certainly is one that people have mentioned should we try and get this lad on loan before. Mm. So it's uh, it's nice to actually have someone who's quite well known um, as a name, if not as a player. So uh, I, I think he will act as some good backup and a bit more. Uh, bit more competition for places for for Wilf and Yannick because you know it's very easy for them to rest on their laurels not to say that they would but I think sometimes you need that extra kick up the backside to know that if you're not playing well someone's there to take your place I think um, you, you, you mentioned there as backup for Wilf and Yannick so you do see him in that in that sort of wide role rather than up front yeah I think to be honest up front we've got options right and we've got Aaron Wilbraham back now and I would say he's going to be the first replacement for Glenn Murray if Murray would come off um, I, I, th- I think at the stage in his development that he is, I would say Nimley's not ready for to play out the middle yet. Mm. I'd say Albert, he, um, no. so I was going to say, he, like, basically what you mentioned, he he did that up at the development game, and it didn't really mm. seem to work for him. He, with his pace, he's going to be better off on on the wing. Okay, uh, I was going to ask you, Albert. He's he's twenty one years old now, but um, and Holloway sort of described it as an example of the sort of player that gets sort of stacked and racked at the Premiership clubs. And perhaps if he'd been at a club like Palace, um, he'd have been playing a lot more first team football at a younger age. But I mean, at twenty one, it's it's unlikely he's going to make the breakthrough at Man City, isn't it? Well, when you consider what happened, sort of Daniel Sturridge and Adam Johnson, um, you know, players who had a bit of a reputation before. They were t- turned up at Man City. I, you know, I can only speak personally. I've never heard of him, so no, he's not going to get a chance at Man City. Quite mm. frankly. So, would you would you think that if he impresses, there's a good chance of a permanent deal? Maybe it's something that we're looking at. Yeah, why not? Um, I thought, you know, Man City aren't exactly hard up for a bit of cash. So, you know, it might be a bit of you can go either way. They could either be happy to keep him to stop someone else having him, or you know, they might just accept a cheeky sort of lower end bid from a club like us. But who knows? Let's see what he's like first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he, he did come on the pitch in the eighty third minute against Burnley, but didn't really get a chance to get to, to involved. Things have got a little bit frantic by that point. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, so. Generally, the reaction has been sort of mixed for, for Namely. Personally, I'm quite excited by it. Um, I, th- I think he's he's got the right attributes to um, to actually have make an impact. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, last sort of word on that, John. Well, yeah, I'm just when I did some reading up on him. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he played a bit for the England under twenties as well? Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, to get into sort of an England side at any age 
is an indication of you know the player that he is. I mean, he'll have uh, probably run into a few of our, our you know, our, our development players in those teams. So uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they'll already know a bit about him. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right, but um, I don't know. You just you, don't, you know, you get your concerns are kind of the natural things that you think about. There's a guy who's you know he's at a big club now. Yes, he's 21, and he you know he might be you know our players might be able to say to him, well, you know you. You ain't played much. You're not going to get in the Man City team, blah blah blah. But he also might be able to say to them, you know, this is how much better it is with these amazing facilities and all that sort of stuff. And I have my concerns about bringing someone like that into the squad. But as we we're just saying, I, I think it's just much more likely he's on the way out of City, and it's um, it's a chance for us to have a good old look at him and and see what he can offer. And we got him for the rest of the season, so no rush to get him in, involved too heavily. And um, I think we'll probably see a few more bench um, appearances before. But I don't think. I also don't think it should stop us looking. You, obviously, you mentioned yourself, John. We got Aaron Wilprem back from injury, and many come come on the pitch again yesterday, but barely any time to do anything. But hopefully, I don't. You know, won't stop us looking in the wide positions and the and the striker positions. But um, well, clearly, it is a position we're looking at, Chris, because you know, as much as none of us want to really believe it, at the end of the season, I reckon one way or another, Wolf Sahar's not going to be here. Hmm. So we need that. There's a position that you know we need we we need to look at. Already, yeah. So um, you know, to, to try and hit the ground running. I mean, we got the rest of the squad is pretty much covered. I would say, maybe apart from another centre back, but um, we got a pretty decent squad at this level. So if we can start trying to get ahead of the game for next season, and then who knows where this season could take us anyway? Well, exactly. It was the aim has still got to be uh, promotion. It really, really has. It's, a, it's still a fantastic opportunity. You know, we are having a little bit of a, a blip. Um, you mentioned Zaha there, and obviously the what I've described as the Zaha saga, which is quite a fun way to say it. Um, most recent developments, really, there's been a uh, fake tweet basically attributed to Wilf where someone has essentially photoshopped. I'm not even sure it was photoshopped. It might well have been Microsoft Paint by the look of it. But um, has tweeted a um, an announcement from Wilf that he was joining the top of the premiership, it said. So insinuating that he'd tweeted that he was joining Man United. And uh, Wilf has obviously denied that and people have quite rightly rubbished it and <clears throat> but since then the the last thing that's uh, sort of happened is on uh, currently probably still going on in fact I've not looked at it for the last sort of 20 minutes or so but it was still going on when I last looked um in is the Wolf Star half read on the BBS where um Steve Parrish has quite rightly taken to task um a person who has accused him of lying I'm not going to get involved in <laughs> talking about that argument on air but um what I am going to do is talk about uh, he made reference to Wolf Zaha still being at Palace once the January window closes, and uh, so I mean that that itself sounds positive. Again, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll come to you guys. Um, did, did any first of all did you see Ian Holloway's comments on the Footballers Football Show? Uh, Albert, did you see that? I didn't see that, but I've read the, you know the attributed quotes. Mm. Okay, so he said um, sort of dropped strong hints that there were a lot of agents talking. To Wilf, you know, talking his ear about where he could go and what he could do and all that sort of stuff, um, and obviously the, the the kind of result of that was that uh, that Ian Holloway phoned up people on Wilf's behalf and said, "Look, are you interested? Do you want to go?" And through the course of discussions, it became pretty clear that if Wilf was to go, it would be with the, with the idea of a loan back to Palace. Um, I don't know whether that's going to pan out that way. I don't know whether anyone's going to be interested in that deal. I really don't know what, what we've had other than the admission that there have been discussions with certain clubs. I, you know, we don't even know if there's been a been a formal bid from anyone of any real note. So 
I mean, gut feeling, Albert. Is he, is he going in January? I mean, Steve's been pretty clear that he's not. So, but does that include the loan back option? Gut feeling. Um, I, I'd say no. He's not going. I think um, you know it's worth you know annoying the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and people like that to just keep hold of him. You know, it's only another five months. Um, we'll know what league we're playing in very very soon and you know it might be a bit of an Andy Johnson situation you know just get him on a gentleman's agreement that okay if we don't go up then you know you can definitely go and if we do go up then you know it's down to him whether he'd like to stay another year and which is what he's always said he wanted to do yeah. uh, but gut feeling I think he'll still be here at the end of January with you know with no and uh, not on loan let's put it that way mm. I've noticed John that the, um, the, the the values in the the papers they're talking about initially not eight million, not more than a few weeks ago was was the offer that was going to come in from Spurs apparently, and since then we've had it go up to ten and now twelve, and now in the paper today, there's talk of fifteen million up front or sorry fifteen million um, as a total deal with the loan back option and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, what's that say to you? Does that smack of maybe desperation on the papers who just sort of you know? I nearly said uh, throwing something at a wall there. I'm trying not to swear, <laughs> considering how much swearing there's already been in the uh, in the show today. We've used up our quota. We have. No, easily, I yeah. think. I think. Chris, I don't. I don't know. To be honest, is the, is the answer. I think part of it might be the, the papers from the get a story out of it. Part of it might be that there's actually our talks going on and. Maybe these teams did think they would be able to get him for eight or ten or twelve million, but you know they only had to do the, the slightest bit of investigating to see that we we valued him at twenty. So you know fifteen to twenty is going to be much more reasonable than the eight million they were first coming out with. Um, I don't know. This window is uh, it's one of the most uncomfortable windows we've had in some time. I think. Mm. So. Um, I want to bring yeah, Alex not, in. Not just, just not, not just for not just for Wilf, but for for Glenn as well. And there's talk about others potentially going. But I, I agree with Albert. I think we should just try and keep hold of him to the end of the season. And then, you know, I think if he, if he can play a season in the Premier League with us next season, I think that's going to be better for him than at any other club. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think from a fans fans perspective, um, I mean, going back to the question of whether or not, you know, we actually. Because I mean, I know there were people talking about maybe, um, maybe they actually wanted him to leave. Maybe, you know, he dropped in form and all that sort of stuff. You know, a couple of weeks back, he's had a couple of decent games. To be fair to him, since then, he looks like he's got his head straight and he's he's very much heading in the right direction. But Alex, you saw the uh, footballers football show with Ian Holloway, and he was talking about how um, you know he'd had experience with this with Matty Phillips, and um, Phillips had said, "I want to leave," and Carl Oyston, the chairman at Blackpool, had said. You're not going for any less than I think it was five million was the figure. Um, so basically, you had, it, it, Holloway was saying I've, I was stuck in this situation where the player wanted to leave, the chairman wasn't let, let going to let him go, and he kind of inferred that 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 was the sort of the discussion that had to be had with Wilf that that Wilf's head had been turned if you if you like, and and had he knew about these options because these agents were phoning him, and it was just about trying to manage that. I mean, first of all, do you think? Do you think when a player's head has been turned and has been filled with with you know various different promises of what he could be earning and all that sort of stuff, do do you think that when that happens, maybe no matter how hard you kind of fight it, you the the player's almost gone in his head already? Yeah, I think it's like anything in life, isn't it? Really, if someone offers you something better and, and to be the best, you you're going to consider it and you want to be there. It's just about how you time it, and it's just about us 
keeping his head down and Holloway telling him what's best for him and, and he needs to understand that. But I thought the interesting point from that programme was how Holloway said that he went to Parrish and said, look, we need, you know, we can't be naive about this and we actually need, if there's a good offer there, that, that we should take it. That's what I felt that he came across as. He said, because... Um, because Parrish is quite uh, naive and new in the in the football business, that's when he related back to Matty Phillips. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I, I, you know, I, again, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that the owners are still relatively new to football, but you know, they, uh, he also pointed out that, that Steve's a very smart guy as well. So, um, I think, uh, well, it does seem to be that that there is a situation to manage and, and that we're trying to manage it. But I mean, from it's really hard because as a supporter, obviously, you've got. A, constantly having to try and read between the lines and we're lucky that we've got owners who are, are pretty clear of us and what they want to do and again Steve has clarified today that he wants Wilf to remain at the club beyond January and, and that's fantastic to hear because you know with him at the team is in the team we've still got the best chance of going up I don't think with him leaving I don't think there's anyone that could come in that would give us a better chance um, and that's where I was last little bit on that really if, if anyone can think of anyone we could bring in as a result because obviously there's nothing just because you've got a bit of money doesn't mean you're actually going to get it. So does anyone actually think there's, there's, there could possibly be a way of using this situation to um, to make us any better? George I think, Boyd. I don't know I about don't, better. But. I don't think George Boyd's the way forward, mate. I think he's more of a Darren Ambrose type player, to be honest, in the sense that he's a bit of a luxury. He, he doesn't seem to be there in all games. He has some very good games, but he has some particularly average games as well, where he pretty much just goes missing from what I can gather from Peter Profans. Mm. I mean, the only player I sort of look at is and see is a Doma down at Bristol City. Um, he seems like a pretty good potential option. And the only way we can come out of this with any positive is if there was a sort of loan back option, sort of bring in someone like that and then you get half a season to bed them into the squad. Yeah. Ahead of next season. That's really yeah. the only positive we can take from this. Yeah, you know, obviously Boyd is a very, very different type of player. Um, and again, I think, I mean, I've suggested him in the past, but I think a lot of it comes from the fact that he's made it known he's a Palace fan and would love to play for Palace. And I think perhaps that influences us in a lot of ways. But he's still a very, very good player. And I think potentially underrated because so many people are sort of against the idea that, that, you know, well, they kind of assume that we would look at him because he's a Palace fan and all that sort of stuff. But I think we talked about that in the past. But you're right, Adome is much closer to the type of player that Wilf is. But I'll tell you who yeah. else is apparent, apparently available. Jason Punch, end of the season, isn't going to be at Southampton. Really? Um, uh, yeah, Saints friend of mine has sort of said that, you know, whilst, whilst he's featuring heavily, um, you know, neither he wants to be there. And I don't think the management team or the chairman are particularly keen on him. So I think he's an option at the end of the season. He's a local boy as well, and uh, you know I, I know we've been linked with him in the past, and um, that, that's an interesting one. I think he'd be a fantastic signing, and whether or not it's a possibility, he's playing like you say, he's playing regularly in the Premiership. So, um, Alex, you had a question, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to know what uh, people's opinion was on having Wilf back because I asked a couple of my friends uh, and said, if we sold him, would you have him back on loan? And a few of them said they wouldn't because they didn't feel his head would be there. But I said, how can you, know, how can you say that? Because ultimately, you've taken £15 million to reinvest into the squad. You've still got the best player in the league. And I believe that he, he likes Palace enough and he's that concerned about his own career that he'll keep his head down and keep going improving to, to try and get into that squad wherever he goes. It's an interesting one because my, my initial reaction was exactly the same as, as, the, as your friend's, was, was I don't want it. I, you know, it's like... It's like a divorce and then still, you know, having the person live in your house is it's not what you want. It's 
you know, that you've you got to move on kind of thing. But the more I thought about it and the more it's the only person who really whose opinion matters is Ian Holloway. Because if he thinks for a second that, that Wilf is not going to be the same player once he's, if he's agreed a permanent move in his loan bag, then I'm sure he wouldn't do it. But so, so if he thinks it's a good plan and it's the best way forward, then I think it's, it shows that we've, we've got a lot of trust in Wilf. And it, but it probably shows as well that for all what, what people might think of, of Wilf as a person without really knowing him, because everyone seems to make judgments on him, it, maybe it shows that he has a lot more respect and admiration for this football club than people give him credit for. Something that I, I, I discussed on Twitter, Twitter yesterday, which got very little response really because of the time of day I posted it, but was the potential yeah, yeah. If, if he's um, <laughs> if he's potentially going there on say like a five year deal to somewhere like a Man United or an Arsenal, is he going to play next year in their starting eleven? I would say probably not at this stage in his development. I'd say, but you know, with, there's the option of a loan bag. But if it is a long deal. I would say then we sort of reduce, you know, you can potentially reduce the transfer fee, but say, you know, if we do get promoted, we get a season-long loan of him next season. I don't know. I look at a little watching Man United play earlier today, and they had Kagawa on the left-hand side, and uh, they started with Young on the right as well, and but obviously brought Valencia on when when Young was injured. And I was looking at their wide players, and Young Young is a very good player when he's on form, but awful, but. <laughs> but yeah, to, like I just I don't know what he's offered for for a, quite a period of time now. And Kagawa, I'm, I I wasn't convinced by. I certainly wouldn't have picked him over Wilf. So I'm looking at their team and I'm thinking it's a you know obviously it's a top of the Premiership team, but I'm thinking there's a place for Wilf there. You know, he, he wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think in most circumstances he'd be ready. For example, if he went to someone like well, let's take Chelsea as an example. I wouldn't wouldn't say he's He's better than Moses is is playing right now. Certainly wouldn't pick him over Eden Hazard on, on that side of the pit. So you, those are the sort of things. But I think it's it's a I think there's a natural gap there at, at Man United. Ah, see, I disagree. I just don't think I, I genuinely don't think he's good enough. I'd say I was, I, you know, I saw the United game today as well, and the, the the movement in all the all the midfield players, and obviously Van Persie and Welbeck is is brilliant. And that's one thing I'd say about Wilf. He you know they they were knocking it around one touch two touch passes very patient and i just i just couldn't see him i don't think he's mature enough yet to to slot into that system you know he he likes taking a, a lot of touches and and stopping the ball dead and trying to beat a man i just I, I just don't think he's got the maturity but whether they'd be buying him as a you know again send him out on loan use him in a year or two or buying him for a ready made winger now you know I can't say but I just certainly don't think he's ready for regular Premier League action certainly not at the top end you know Alex people want to sign Wilf because he's completely different to what ever else every other English winger offers as far as I'm concerned if you look at you talk about Young you talk about Walcott you talk about Sterling they'll knock the ball 20 yards and run after it nobody can beat a man like Wilf can I would put him up there in the world at, at beating one man one man on one he will beat him all day all night long you saw it people say against championship defender but it doesn't matter who it was it wouldn't matter who it was he was he was taken on and that's why I think there's so much interest because he's completely different to what you find in the Premier League there's not many people in the Premier League like him he's a bit of a niche really and I think that's why the top are after him uh, John did you want to come in on that or have you got a rebuttal well, there uh, well yeah, well, if you've got anything to say, but, but I disagree with that. I'd say 
the argument that it's against championship defenders is very, very valid. The difference in defending between the championship and the Premier League, particularly the top end of the Premier League, is vast. I mean, it's just mm. huge. If you came up against, you know, someone like uh, Ever or someone like that, you know, uh, trying, to, trying to do that sort of stuff, it'd destroy him. And in my, in my mind, there's no two ways about that. I but agree I, that the, the defending's better, but in this league, he's got three men taking him on and he beats all three men. So if he can't beat one, if, so if, he, if he can beat three men, he can beat one. Yeah, Surely. as Albert said, sometimes he beats three men. Yeah. But you know what? Since they've actually started putting two or three men on him, that's when we've seen this dip in form. Um, and you know, other teams won't need to put three men on him because but, they'll have good enough defenders. We saw when you know against Stoke the other day that they did a fairly good, decent job on him. I mm. thought, and they didn't triple up on him by no means. And Stoke are what mid-table Premier League team. So there's a lot of yeah. better defenders in the Premier League than them. There are. There's, there's a few points to sort of consider, really. There's obviously, if he was playing in the Premier League, there's obviously the quality of players around him, would I think would change his game, and I think he has the ability to to adapt very, very quickly. But I also see the other side of the argument. I do think in terms, you, I think I don't know if I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again anyway. He as he wasn't one of those players that. Uh, you know, 13 and 14 was earmarked as this great player, you know. He's a guy who suddenly, out, kind of almost out of nowhere, you know, I think near enough 17 years old. I think he's just about 16. So he's just about still 16. Just suddenly just kind of got it. It kind of clicked for him. And I, and I think in his development, he's he's perhaps behind. He's 20, but I think he's, you know, he's younger than that, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I think I think in an ideal world, he wouldn't have suddenly got the intention he's got. And the reason he's got it is because he has the kind of he does the kind of things that no one else does, as Alex was saying. And I and I, I firmly believe he's one of the best players I've ever ever seen. I really do believe that. And and I don't think I'm exaggerating. But I, I understand that there's an alternative point of view where people think he's overhyped. And I certainly think think there's a there was a huge amount of hype that was damaging uh, during the course of his England debut. And people judging, people saying that you know, four minutes was enough time to judge whether he was good enough and there should have been all these different... Like, you know, I, I can kind of see the argument. People said that, you know, um, was it Nathan, Nathan Dyer at Swansea should have been in instead. You know, he's playing regularly in the Premier League and tearing up defences at that division kind of thing. And that's the sort of thing that I can kind of admit. But one, once, you know, the the England setup have seen Wilf in training for a period of time now. <clears throat> you know, plus there's the whole idea of him wanting him to choose England over the Ivory Coast as well. But basically, they've seen the ability he has, and and there is just a massive shortage of players who can beat people with the ball. You know what I mean? There's a load of players you can kick and run. I'd say Raheem Sterling's a kick and run player. Aaron Lennon's a kick and run player. Wilf, it it doesn't matter if he's got space or not because he'll he'll make it. <clears throat> but his he is always going to be a player who's massively hit and miss. <clears throat> when you're you know when your game is based around taking people on. Uh, you're going to have games and potentially weeks where where you're going to you know you're going to look very ordinary and pe- certain defenders will do a job on you and he gets kicked left right and center. As we're going to talk about Burnley in a minute, I won't go too much into it, but <clears throat> he was kicked all over that pitch and he's just not getting decisions anymore. He's starting to suffer from his reputation at Palace, and I think all these little things will start you know making him think in his mind that here's a time to move on, get a different division, different teammates. Different set of supporters, different set of pressures, of course, but but maybe some of the pressures that are currently on him uh, would disappear. But I mean, there's all sorts of things, and we'll continue to talk about them, 
you know, forever, as long as Wilf's here and probably long after he's gone. But um, I think I think when Ian Holloway summed it up right in that at some point Wilf Saha will outgrow Palace because purely because we can't hope to grow Palace quick enough to keep up with him. He's that good, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be ambitious and we shouldn't want to keep him. And I'm, and I'm really glad to read that that's what we're trying to do. But we'll move on from there for now. If you've got any opinions on it, do do send them in to us and we will pick up on them later on. Obviously, you can phone us 0203 4755 Tweet uh, at HOL Radio or email us radio at homestyle.net. I just want to very quickly answer an email we got from James Dean Lundy. He says, uh, wondering in tonight's show, there could be a little bit of talk about Alex Marrow. Uh, any news regards to his loan deal? And as Holloway mentioned, they'll be involved as we've got a lack of midfield option and right-back options currently. Um, someone in there has written that he is being recalled. Who did that? That was me. He mentioned it the other day. Did he? He's, yeah, he said, I'm, I'm going to bring Alex Marrow back. I haven't even had a chance to look at him, was his quote. There you go. Fantastic news. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm sure it's all. not we're recalling him like we're remembering that he exists. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, I recall him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, that's an interesting one. I don't. I think if Dougie had been it, I don't think we'd ever have seen Alex Marrow again for Palace. But um, quite rightly, he's our player, and if Ian Holloway wants to look at him, then great. Um, you know, easy to forget just how good he was, but he was surrounded by some some people who were underperforming and some people who weren't good enough um, at the time. So remains to be seen. But I think he's been wearing the captain's armband for Fleetwood and been doing pretty well for them. So um, wearing it around his knee. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's keep, been his yeah. big problem, isn't it? Really, was the injuries. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about the injury he had potentially being career threatening. Yeah, and um, that was a, it. Was a really big risk, which. And then sort of Stuart O'Keefe sort of came out of the, the shadow of all of that. And as you say, I think, you know, in Dougie's mind, particularly O'Keefe was the way forward. But Mario did a really good job and he's a very versatile player. He could play in all manner of positions from, well, possibly wing back to centre back, defensive Lying midfield. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Darren okay, Anderton I, position. I, I think... Um... I say if we can if he can get back to playing anywhere near as well as he was playing and obviously now he's had a run of games there's a chance of him doing that. So I think I think we've got to have a look. I think it makes sense. So um there we go. Okay, so hopefully that one answers that. We don't have to run it too much because we're massively overrunning for our little um little review of the Burnley game. So I was the only one who went there. Anyone anyone insane enough to go there by the sounds of it? Um starting lineup, uh Delaney and Ramage obviously back as centre backs, um the current situation with Joel Ward out is that we have Johnny Parr at right back and Dean Moxie at left back. Um, which I'd say is good to see Dean Moxie getting around the game. He seems to be improving with every match. Uh, it was very good in the sort of offensive sense against Burnley. Um, Balassi started on the um, hmm. right hand side, Zahar on the left. Uh, Yedinak was partnered by O'Keefe in for obviously KG, who's at the African Cup of Nations. Uh, Andre Moritz continued to start just in behind Glenn Murray. Um, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, obviously the general flow of the match. Um, first half was pretty even. Uh, Burnley had some some really good chances. Um, we had probably slightly the better chances, but um, really it was kind of uh, sort of like the first sort of ten minutes or so against Wolves. It was a lot of sort of t- trying to work each other out. But what was very obvious early on was that Burnley had set themselves up in such a way that they were going to press us really, really high uh, up the pitch. And, and I think 
the idea of making sure, basically cutting off the supply to our danger men, and they did it superbly. Um, John, you want a little bit of a question about the Burnley lineup? Yeah, it was more just about the O'Keefe decision. Were, were you surprised? I mean, I personally thought once uh, KG went off to the African Cup of Nations that we'd be a bit more offensive, and I thought maybe we'd see Moritz and possibly Williams, the pair of them, with Jednak behind them. Yeah, I, I think that obviously. We, it's pretty clear how highly uh, in Holloway rates Williams, and I think he would be starting if um, if uh, it wasn't just trying to ease him back and make sure these injuries don't come back. So I think that's part of it. I think what's happened is we've obviously lost Garvin for three months with a knee injury, um, and and Stuart O'Keefe, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, had always impressed in the midfield and had always done a really good job, and it would have been foolish perhaps not to give him a go. But I think I think he's just too different a type of player to the to KG and the role that KG was fulfilling in that team to be entirely effective in that position. And I'm, I'm not going to say Stuart O'Keefe the same pretty much same approach that I took last week in that that I respect what he does for the team and I think he he worked a lot better in Dougie's team. I think um, in the way that that we set up and the way that we try to sort of tuck in and have this solid defensive unit. It's not the same under in Holloway. And he, he kind of has an obligation to get forward. And he did do that at times. But more often than not, um you he was he was the player it was a player recycling possession. And you don't see that from KG. KG doesn't get the ball and just move it on straight away. You know, he'll run with it or, you know, he'll he'll put his foot on it and stop and just have a have a look around. But Stuart O'Keefe, a lot of first time balls, a lot of, you know, just just get you know, give and go, easy option, that sort of stuff, which works great in, in certain situations. But it does disrupt this this sort of attacking flow, and, and that's what Ian Holloway's teams are all about, really. Don't know if that answers, but um, are you saying he was shit? Yeah. Um, no, do you know what? No, I'm not saying he was shit. That that would be completely unacceptable. Um, or it just doesn't quite fit the tactics for exactly what we're looking. Yeah, for. I, yeah, I think square peg, a square peg in a round hole. I think. I think. I, I, think, no, I think he can KG do it. That's more of a box-to-box player. He mm. can offer an attacking threat. You know, and he is finally that box-to-box player, other than the KFC box-to-box that he was previously. <laughs> right, yeah. but you no, know, I think you're right. We do need someone who can link up going forward a bit more. Mate, I don't know. Maybe it's a confidence thing, folks. If he's not, he's not been in the team very much this season. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Really, I, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be frustrated with it. I am, I admit to being frustrated with it, with him, his performance in the last two games. And the reason is that I think he can do it better. I think he can get involved further up the pitch. I think if he believes in himself, he can run with the ball and he can, you know, take a bit of time to make decisions and make the right pass. He doesn't need to keep getting rid of it as soon as he gets it. And I just think that disrupted us a little bit. But again. Who knows what the instructions are from from, from Ollie? He, he might be telling him that's what I want you to do: keep busy, move around, keep possession of the ball, and that might be Stuart O'Keefe's interpretation of doing it. But I just I do feel it's just it's either either confidence or potentially maybe a, a limit in his ability somewhere that well he certainly doesn't seem to to offer the same um, sort of both security and and attacking threat as, as a KG, which I suppose you wouldn't expect KG's. You know, an international player, Stuart O'Keefe isn't, so perhaps it's unfair to judge him like that. But if we have any idea, you know, designs on sort of getting back to the to the kind of form we were showing, we will need we will need to to look in that um, in that midfield area and see if we can bring someone in, uh, Albert. Yeah, just what you going back to what you're saying about Williams. Um, do you think if Williams was 100% fit, um, do you think he could play in that? slot into the KG, you know, slightly withdrawn but could break forward role? 
I, or, I'd, I'd, or do you yeah. see him in front of Yedinak with Moritz as opposed think, to alongside? I think I would. I could. I think he can play central midfield and play it well. Uh, I, I don't. But from the description, he likes to tackle. Yeah, exactly. He does. He does. But I do feel he is viewed very much as the the three in behind Glenn Murray role. I think that's where he's viewed by Ian Holloway and the club in general, the coaching staff in general. He did liken him to David Silver, didn't he? In the sort of mm. that sort of role, and you couldn't see David Silver doing it. Well, he probably could play it. It's not his most effective role. Mm. But I think with KG, he offered a bit of height, and with him and Jednak in the centre of midfield, we were winning a lot in the air. And you know, then with one winning it and the other one having the nous to be able to sense where the you know the knockdown's coming from, I think that's where maybe we're just not quite as fluid as we were. And O'Keefe isn't as big and as strong as KG necessarily was. Well, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think again, maybe. You know, okay, I'm not not going to not criticise the manager's research. He's only been at the club for for nine weeks. Maybe he doesn't know you know know that that Johnny Williams can play you know in the centre as effectively as I believe he can. I think you put him alongside Jed and that. I think they'd destroy teams, frankly. But um, that's just my opinion. I'm not a uh, I'm not a manager, so. Here we go. Um, yet, Chris. Yes. Yeah, it might come if I get really bored. You manage this, though. Uh, Just sort about. Of. Yeah, exactly. Stretching it a bit. Um, Andre Marie. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's had a bit of an off game. Uh, he was, annoyingly, he was taken off the pitch seconds before we got a free kick and a perfect chance for him to, to repeat the feat that he did against Wolves twice. But um, that, was, that was a bit frustrating. But it just really, he, I think he struggled to have an impact. Um, again, he, he just was not given any space. And we talk, I talked about it earlier. Burnley did that well. They, they, they knew exactly who to target on our team. Um, early on, Moritz played a couple of wonderful through passes, and as soon as he did that, I think he basically they they adjusted slightly and got someone a lot closer to him. And after that, he just didn't he didn't seem to get enough of the ball, uh, and he missed. Oh, I don't think it was on the highlights. I watched them earlier, but um, he did. Was this did, his air shot? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, well, it's not so much an air shot. He did connect, but how you can um, hit a ball cut back to you and it essentially go backwards is I don't know it's impressive not even I'm that bad at five, when I'm playing at five a side I've never done that um, whoa, whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah yeah, yeah I managed I managed to try a wolf trick this uh, week just gone kick the ball into my own feet and fall on my face laughing but I haven't kicked and the ball back for a free kick <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah I'd do that as well yeah. but um and, no and look. head turned by the other players and <laughs> that's right <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, in a, in a, you know, 
even our midfield struggled, to be honest with you. And, and even and even um, Jednak, whether it's because he was being sort of pulled all over the pitch to try and get involved because you know he was making up for for other people's deficiencies, I wouldn't want to say. But um, but again, he he wasn't the kind of imperious player that you saw against um, against Wolves, and just who just was everywhere. What about our attacking threat? I mean, it didn't sound. I mean, I listened to most of it on BBC London, and uh, it didn't sound as if we were we offered as much going forward as we have mm. for the rest of the season. Is there no, a we, for that? Yeah, we weren't fluent because because that's the way that, that Burnley forced us to play. We had we the ball went long more often than it should have done. Um, I mean, but I'm making it sound like we were horrific. We we absolutely weren't. We we were unlucky, to be honest with you. You know, we've we've hit the bar through Jednak quite late on. But um, we had some really good chances. The aforementioned air shot from Moritz really should have been tucked away. There was one that was cleared off by the line. Uh, initially, people thought it was it hit Ramage and bounced away, but it, it hadn't. It hit one of the Burnley defenders. It's. I mean, it's just a lot going that went on. We, we you know, we had a, in the second half. We were. It was absolutely backs to the wall for Burnley. They they didn't see a lot of the ball, and we put them under a lot of pressure. But you know, we got caught, and I don't know. Let's let's talk about why we got caught. I mean, it, it keeps happening. Uh, in this particular case, Damien Delaney went to sort of pick the ball up in the sort of right back position. Just sort of dwelt on it a little bit too long. Seemed to lose control, and it was whipped away from him. Ball came in, but what what then happened once the ball was cleared was kind of unforgivable in my view, and and I don't really know the reasons for it. Basically, everyone stood and watched. Junior Stanislas for them just put his foot on the ball on the edge of the D. And and you're just waiting for someone to to come out and get it, and and Ramage stayed still, and uh, you know Delaney was struggling to get back, and Moxie didn't really move for it, and then a sort of almost almost as an afterthought, you suddenly saw Johnny Parr start to charge out to it, but by that, by that point, and look, let's not get let's not ignore the fact it was a fantastic strike, you know, to, you curl the ball in from there into the top corner, don't really matter who's going to charge at you, but it just I don't know if he'd have had that. He should have had that time. Well, he shouldn't have had that time, in my view. And I mean, well, John, do you think that's perhaps you know an example of the sort of areas that where Dougie might have focused on the kind of the defensive unit? There should have been better communication, all that sort of stuff. You think that's and and obviously Delaney being in the right back position is because Parr's pushing forward. So you know do what? you? I'd really like to say it was, but I'm sure he was our manager when we did exactly the same thing at Burnley a couple of years ago. Mm. So I can't say it was that. What I would say is that I think KG would, you know, probably have made the difference in that sort of situation with him and Jednak both sort of, uh, you know, ha- hassling the uh, the midfielders and that sort of thing. I think maybe you know, they wouldn't have had that amount of time on the ball. But mm. it's, um, um, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's fine margins, isn't it? You know, we make one mistake and pay for it. By the sounds of it, Julian Sperani was pretty much a spectator for the the preceding eighty odd minutes. Mm. But I mean, but okay, Albert, uh, take your view on this. Should we, because it's another late goal, is it? Is is this something that's a coincidence? Is it just the fact that some, you know, we, we happen to be unlucky to be conceding these goals late, or do you think it shows that there's a problem with either concentration or? Of the team worked us out how to beat you know at which point to beat us when we start really going for the win. I think it's uh, it's happened a few too many times to be written off as coincidence. Um, what, whether you call it co- uh, concentration or fitness, I don't know. You know, because if if it happens in the first ten minutes of a game, you can sort of 
you know, bet your bottom dollar that the, the whole team pushes out and closes down and, you know, tries to come out when it's in the last 10 minutes of the game when everyone's a bit, you know, maybe a bit sort of tired and, you know, let's face it, our back four uh, hasn't changed much over the, the season. So, you know, they've played, you know, Pars played essentially almost every game and, you know, maybe it's just a, a bit of a fitness issue and, and I suppose that, you know, that does tie into concentration. So there's, there's, there is a, there is obviously a problem. Um, but we, we're also not scoring as many as we used to. So, you know, just before Christmas, so we, on another day, we might have been one hill ahead and we might have got a point or whatnot. But you're saying Burnley got their tactics right, you know, mm. and that stopped scoring. They've nicked one. They've nicked one on the break essentially. So, mm. I'd say it's reminiscent of, of the way we played ourselves against Bolton under Dougie just before he left, because um, we we pretty much did that exact same thing. They frustrated the hell out of them for for a fair while. Got a penalty through some wolf magic and uh, Zach Knight aberration, and then um, and then won the game one 0 And you're just thinking that you know we got away with that a bit there, and I felt that was a little bit like Burnley did. Although, again, I think the general consensus of those of us that are at the game was we we felt we probably didn't actually deserve to win because Burnley had had defended so well and you know and had spells of possession, and, and certainly once they scored and we we really had to go for it, you know, for the last seven minutes. You know, they had a couple of chances to go two, three up. So you kind of come out of that game thinking, oh, you know, well, we, we were beaten there. We probably deserved it. But with, with high, you know, an hour later on, you're thinking about all the things that you missed and, you know, and the fact we dominated the second half until the last seven minutes. So it's a really strange thing. I don't, I don't quite know how to feel. But like you said, it happened, it's happening a little bit too much to just be, you know, just kind of one of the things, you're not getting the rubber of the green or so on and so forth. It's happening too much. It does seem to be an issue of some sort. Uh, John? Yeah, well, I think Albert mentioned the, the key word there, which was fitness. Um, it, at the start of the season, I mean, Dougie was absolutely a freak with the, the fitness of the squad. Mm. And in the last 10 minutes, we would certainly almost kick into an extra gear. So if, for those mm. of you who play FIFA, it's like having a second win trait. You just had this extra boost, which sort of saw off teams, and we were winning games later on as opposed to, you know, throwing points away. And I don't know if maybe there's been a change in, you know, with all the staffing changes, been maybe there's been a slight, you know, relaxation I, yeah, of the fitness programme. I, I think it's, it's interesting. There are, there are sort of a couple of things that sort of occurred to me as you were saying that. The first was sort of to disagree and say that... Um, you know, a lot. Of, well, most most people will tell you that the the fitness work that's done in pre season uh, and the the levels you build at, you you don't really lose um, uh, rapidly. You know, just because you're having a couple of days off here and there that you might not have had normally. But um, but you mentioned the staff moving, and and I think the nut, the amount of staff that have gone has got to have been disruptive. Uh, you when you lose when yeah when you lose every pretty much every coach, it's just. You know, it's more of a change than I than I would have liked to have seen. Okay, you can you can kind of stomach Lenny Curtis and Dougie going, but then Jamie Fullerton follows, and then the goalkeeper coach goes, and you start thinking, oh right, hold on, and then you start seeing scouts going and things like that, and you just I just well, you know, you can't stop people leaving when they want to leave, really, but otherwise you're just forcing, you know, you want to force someone to be there when they don't want to be there, basically. But um, but it seems more more staff have gone in in the usual. You know, managerial change. You know, so, uh, I, I don't recall this many when we've changed managers before. This many staff members going so quickly. Yeah, I mean, Alex. Alex is saying that he thinks Fleming was a big one, and, and Fleming again. It, I think you've got to remember as well that um, not that long 
before that, Popovich went as well. Well, I think that was a really um, big, big loss for us. Was Popovich? I think what he did with the defence was uh, second to none. But um, I would point out, people have talked to me before, and I, and I sort of made the point about, um, you know, the, the defence coach has gone and blah 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 blah. Keith Millen, um, who was the assistant manager, was a centre back. You know, he there's no real excuse for. You know, losing Fleming and losing Popovich and losing Philip. There's no excuse for not for there's no not we're not we've not you know lost everyone who knows about how to defend. You know, we've we've got a guy who was a centre back for years and years and years. He knows how to marshal back for. You know, I don't. I, I in just a certain think, style though, Chris. I mean, the yeah, style yeah, yeah. uh, maybe his style isn't actually. It's going against a lot of what what we were doing previously. Mm. And then if you're getting conflicting messages. You know, with the same group of players, and it's not it's not going to work, is it? Because uh, we had a pretty decent defence, mm. you know, in in 2012. I mean, albeit we didn't score that many goals in the back end of last season, but we didn't concede a whole lot. And um, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, the the defensive coaching side is just not it's not quite there. Yet. I think given time, they'll be able to mould the team how they want to defensively. So that's probably it, though, isn't it? You know, right or wrong. Whatever they they could have an even better idea, sort of final picture, but it's not going to come in and and work out straight away, is it? You know what Chris was saying: nine weeks. Mm. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah, that's that's a fair observation. Again, mentioned it earlier. You know, Holloway's still getting his feet under the table. We've got we've got a question on that. A little, I don't know where to start that now. Actually, we're talking about the defence. So let's let's get Danny Hannigan's question in first. Um, he says. So since we're talking about his defence, what about the, the forgotten man Paddy? When do we see him coming back and who would he replace? Uh, he's also thinking, what do we think about Dougie coming back? Well, we'll talk about that in the Bolton uh, preview later in the next, well, about 10 minutes' time or so. Um, so Paddy, do you think Paddy would, um, John, do you think Paddy would, would be certainly, well, we talked about him before, who would he replace, blah, blah, blah. Right now, do you think him, who would he replace, first of all, and would it solve our defensive problems? Well, right now. Mm-hmm. No, no, not really. I think it's just... I, th- I don't think it's the personnel, to be honest right now. I don't think it's ideal Johnny Barr playing at right-back. I think he's a much more effective left-back. But with Joel Ward out is one thing. But I think actually the centre-back pairing of Delaney and Ramage has been pretty good this season. I'd say if one of them was the weaker link, it'd probably be Ramage. But actually, I'd say he's been the better player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been really so- solid this season. I think in terms of when we will he- we see him back, it'll be a couple of months before the end of the season. Yeah, but and I reckon it'll be a much in a bit part role, and then it'll be sort of through to the summer and see how we come out of that. I think he'll start a lot on the bench and cover for people when he's had a big injury. Last thing you want to do is him come back and then aggravate that. I see. There's no real pre-season, so it's going to be very tough for him. I think we're really looking at next season before Paddy's back to. Um, but with leadership as well, with Jedinak in there. You know, we're we're not lacking on the leadership front. Delaney's a leader. Ramage is certainly pretty vocal. Yeah, Charles. You know, I, th- I think, yeah, I think P- Paddy just gonna he's gonna be on the on the bench a bit. It's really, um, really interested to hear. I think it was um, Steve Parrish who said it when, when we had that uh, chat up at um, a seller's part for the Christmas special. Was saying that Paddy really has kept himself away from things. You know, he, as he's he's sort of recognised that you know Jednak's now doing that role. Um, and and he's leaving him to it. And I, I think it's very interesting that that he would do that. But I think if anything, that makes me feel that when he does come back into the fold, I think he's going to have more of an impact because he's effectively been missing from the from the dressing room, from, from you know, from the day to day lives of all the lads. When he comes back, you, it's easy to forget the influence that he had on that team. Um, 
It could no, be just... awkward him coming back. It could it could have a negative effect on him personally. Mm, I, suppose, you know, yeah. I mean, who's going to be the captain when he comes back? Is he going to go? You know, if he does start a, f- a few games, if say Delaney or Ramage got injured, who would then take the armband? I mean, Jednak's seen us to this point in the season very effectively as a good leader and a good captain. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously KG took over as captain um, when Jednak was out, which which I thought was an interesting move. And and um, but I, I I don't know. See. Obviously, Paddy is club skipper, uh, but but that was an appointment made by Dougie Friedman. So if there's if there's a desire to to make it so Mile is the club captain, it's kind of an ideal way to do it, isn't it? When you know you kind of like Ian Holloway could quite easily say, "Well, look, you know, I've only known you know Yednak as our captain. I, I don't know you as our captain. I'm happy with the way things are, so we're going to keep it like that." You know, it's it's a lot easier than than stripping someone of the captaincy in mid season, isn't it? So. Yeah, um, well, I've been told Warnock made him captain. That's a very good point. He did, but you know, but what it I mean? was Dougie's decision to you know to it retain him. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Ian Holloway's choice. I mean, he hasn't known Paddy as the player, has he? I think um, I think it's one they'll probably try and amble through till summer again. Summer's going to be the big one because we don't know what a league we're going to, going to be in. It's an exciting time, but mm. if we're in the championship, you know. Well, a couple of teams have looked at the likes of Jed Nackengon. He could do a job in the Premier League because, you know what, I think he probably could. Yeah, he definitely could. So, um, we got, you know, summer's going to be the time. If we're up in the Premier League, then would Paddy cut the grader as a Premier League centre-back? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I just don't trust Ramage, to be honest. Yeah? I think that's mainly because he looks like Brody from Homeland. (laughs) <laughs> who is a suspected terrorist yeah yeah. Those, all right, I've only just started watching season one of Homeland so don't ruin it for me alright whatever oh, anyone no. says I just get so fed up with people constantly tweeting stuff about it don't ruin it oh I knew you'd do that I've sort of already seen it on Twitter Mike our producer has just told me that he dies in season two thanks for that yeah he doesn't <sighs> he doesn't but he no? does no but he does no, give away a terrible back pass that allows <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this show isn't about Homeland, though potentially it could be later on. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the answer to that is we don't really know when Paddy's coming back. Obviously, he is a, um, a very influential person for Palace, but um, but you know, I, I I worry. I do think that our defensive problems do come down to a degree of communication and organisation. Um, Ramage and Delaney both talk a lot. Um, but we, I mean, you just saw it. If you if you watch the the goal we conceded on, on the highlights, it's on Palace play. If you have a look at that, and then just ask yourself why are why is there a line of three Palace players standing there watching the ball when that when an attacker is in that position? And to me, it, it says that no one is screaming, you know, mine. I'm going, or no one is making a decision to go for it. Someone should be shouting, and someone should be claiming that because. You, you just don't let someone pick a spot their spot from that position, and it, I'll tell you when you're at the game watching it, it took an age. I mean, it's it's not obviously not quite as long when you see it in, back on the highlights, but you know it's it's the opposite end to us. But we're directly behind it, and you're just watching him line up a shot, and you're thinking, well, someone should someone get out to it. Someone to get just taking longer and longer and longer, and then it hits that top corner, and it's just that's it's incredibly frustrating. To Did watch. you start charging down the stairs towards it? I felt like I, have, I had to get there myself. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> You Not sure what? the made it. it take the about... image in my head of that is absolutely yeah. class. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> the the musical would've... accompaniment and everything. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, a few little bits. Of penguin of... outfit. 
Yeah, no, I wasn't wasn't in that this time. A few little bits and pieces I want to pick up on. Obviously, we've talked about the goal and, and the fact that KG's out and, and Keith covered in for him. Mentioned that we were unlucky because I felt basically that's what it came down to. I don't think we did anything dramatically wrong. Um, but, the you know, it's weird. The better you play, the uh, the less unlucky you get, I think. And we, we weren't our usual fantastic selves. But we did all right. Second half, we were very good. Uh, and, and obviously, Johnny Williams now, I think he's got to start wherever it is um, certainly Moritz didn't really stake a claim to play um, against Stoke but we'll talk about whether or not we're going to play a strong team against Stoke in a minute um, the last little thing I wanted to talk about was the Burnley flan- flans mm, well, that's probably a nice way to describe they, they, them frankly they did pies up there yeah they do pies. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> um, I was uh, I was frankly appalled um, at them you know, to, uh, every every week, obviously, as, an, as well, every week, every every away game, you go to an away stadium, and you know what it's like. It's the same with us. Home fans are quieter than away fans, but most places you go, there's a degree of noise and atmosphere, and it just wasn't one at Burnley. And you know, if you, if you, but you you know, you should have some degree of self awareness, is what I'm probably getting at. It, you you should feel you should be able to acknowledge when you're quiet and when you you know. And for them to for them to celebrate quite the way they did, you can kind of understand. But there was a lot of abuse of away fans walking when we were walking back, basically. And, and I thought that was showed a little bit of a lack of class. You know, I, I hate. I basically, I hate teams that don't sing for eighty-three minutes, score a goal, and and then suddenly sing like they've been. The question has to be: when it was nil-nil, why aren't you singing and supporting your team? Uh, and again, all it really reiterates to me, I don't want to dwell on it too much, is how lucky we are as Palace fans to have people that you know have a supporter base that understand that whether you're it's nil-nil or you're one-nil, two-nil, three-nil down, you, you know you got you got to sing for your team, and you should have no pride as a as a Burnley fan, frankly, on the way you're ever, yeah, just generally ever. Just in general. Did, did you see former spin Dr. Alistair Campbell there? <laughs> Sadly, not. No. Did no. you see former UB40 <laughs> Ali Campbell there? I didn't know. Neither he's not them. a Burnley fan. He's just no, but it's a similar name. Like Alistair Campbell. Arsenal defenders. Yeah. Soul Campbell there. Oh, no. Oh, a Everton striker Kevin Campbell. Or oh, Sunderland striker Fraser Campbell. All right, Current are we done QPR with that? QPR striker DJ Campbell. Leader. Campbell. Oh, I've got such a bad headache. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's move this on. Anyway, look. Campbell's soup. Look, we've lost, we lost to Burnley. Uh, I did hear on the commentary that we only won against Peterborough away under Ian Holloway. We haven't won any other games away from home, um, which I have to admit I hadn't quite realised and makes me wonder a little bit about where we're going. But what we've, what we've heard from Ollie is that he's starting to feel like we're playing like his team now. Um, I don't we quite... lost. Yeah. It's not ideal, no. And and on that subject, there was a, a message from Maxi Palace on Holmesdale. Uh, he says, what do you make of Ollie's comment last week? The team is now his, uh, starting with a defeat. So it doesn't really make much sense to me as I haven't seen anything but forced changes to personnel and no change to our formation. Any thoughts of the timing of Ollie's substitutions? And then he goes on to ask about the teams that he thinks are a threat in the league. Any thoughts on those? So we sort of start with, obviously, you've made reference to the comments that um, we're starting to play like all these teams. Uh, obviously, Max feels that we haven't made any changes to personnel or formation. Uh, first obvious thing for me to say to that is that we have made a very de- 
noticeable change in the fullback positions in the our fullbacks attack and under Dougie they just tucked in and sat there so that's to me is a, is a tactical change but no I mean I, well it's understandable isn't it John not to change too much when he came in he didn't change too much when he came in he had to suss out the players I think there have been a number of some say subtle some maybe say less subtle tactical changes one you say is the wing backs have been a lot further forward which has meant when we've had Jednak and KG they've covered a lot of the wing back positions and the channels um, for when the full backs go forward but the main thing has been the positioning of Zahar and Balassi going forward um, under Dougie they were sort of in line with where Moritz or Garvin was mm. now they're in line sometimes ahead of where Glenn Murray is and that has been a, there's been a noticeable move forward, which is what's dragged the wing backs forward, basically. So the distance between them is similar; they can still make the overlap, but the attacking threat is much more, you know, much more predominant, mm. and it relies heavily on those two players holding midfield. And that's they, why KG is such a big loss for us right now, because yeah. we do rely on those two players, basically, what ties this team together. Do you think there's perhaps a little bit of a hangover from, you know, we're not, yeah, from a style of playing in one style of play under Dougie and the, new, and the way that Ian Holloway wants us to play? Do you think we're perhaps somewhere in between at the moment? Because obviously we've got, got our fullbacks going forward, um, but there's this kind of, there's still this attitude, if you like, that we're a counter-attack inside that was made reference to a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and that we're kind of still, the, guy, the players are still naturally setting themselves up in a certain way. That's not what the Ollie wants, and that that's where we're struggling. That's why we're, you know, sometimes we've got gaps in certain areas, be it going forward or be it going back, and, and say certain players seem to be struggling with the system. Quite possibly, but you know what? This is his first transfer window with us, and it'd be interesting to see he's brought in Nimely, um, whether maybe he plays in a certain in different style. But um, certainly, the, the the guys he brings in are going are gonna to be what really holds him out as a Palace manager. You know, if he if he can bring in the right players to make it play that way, then fine. But if not, then he's gonna he's gonna struggle for the rest of the season, I think. But what I've noticed is the the interchange between the three front players, Murray, Balassi, and Zaha. You'll find each of them in each other's position, particularly changes between Murray and Zaha. You'll often find Glenn Murray out wide now, mm. where Zaha yeah, yeah, through the middle. Right. But I think that's that that shows a lot of faith in Glenn Murray because you wouldn't have him down as a winger. Let's put it that way. But he's adapted his game and he's still having to continue to adapt his game. Mm. I'd say it was interesting to note that um, that's the first time that we haven't scored when Glenn Murray has played. So um, uh, we'd obviously, we'd, there's been a couple of games where we haven't scored, but with, with Murray in the team, that's the first time it's happened, which, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing and I don't, he didn't have a huge number of opportunities either, but. Um, you know, he wouldn't say he had a bad game or anything, but um, I say he's you know he's vital to us at the moment. But what the other thing that uh, Max was mentioning was obviously the timing of, of the substitutions. Um, I'm just going to ask your opinion on this, Albert. But um, don't know if you have one. But um, my sort of general observation is that there seems to be if he's going to make any significant changes, it happens around the sort of 65 to 70 minute mark, and then other than that, it's just the last couple of minutes really, but or when you need to chase a game. But um, have you noticed any real pattern or anything like that or any significance why, why Max would ask that question? Uh, not during his Palace days. I seem to remember you know, when at Blackpool when we suffered it a couple of times. If Blackpool were losing 10 minutes, 5 minutes to go, he'd, he'd chuck on every attacking player 
under the sun and go for the win and more often than not it, it worked it certainly did against us um but i don't think we're yet taking yesterday as an example yeah. you know he puts a, a first 11 out that he believes can win the game you know so nil nil why why would you sort of change it dramatically rather than chase it and get done on the counter you know you just probably want to be a bit more cautious and it's yeah, you know, I, I, we've conceded in the last ten minutes, which goes back to our fitness and concentration, yeah. and so then he, that forces his hand. Then he has to make those changes then because we're one 0 down. Um, yeah, there's kind of two two things that occurs to me there. Obviously, you're, you're absolutely right. All he did against Burnley was take off yeah a player who was under underperforming in Andre Moritz. Again, not necessarily saying that's Moritz's fault. He was just he was well looked after by the Burnley defence, but he, he took him off and put Williams on, which did sort of ignite our attacking play quite well. But one thing. It, is worth mentioning. Yes, you, you pointed to him making you know a triple substitution against us. I think it was the other year when I went up to Blackpool and they turned a losing position into a winning one pretty quickly. And I think maybe I don't know if you want to answer this one, John. It points to a potentially a lack of attacking options in our squad that he doesn't do that. Well, I don't know. Actually, if you look at the players he brought on yesterday, he brought on Wilbraham, didn't he? Nimely mm. and Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much more attacking you wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, but I mean obviously Wilbraham. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Easter was there. No, obviously, um, Wilbraham's come on in in the ninetieth minute, and, and Nimley came on as soon as they scored for Stuart O'Keefe, and that was that was kind of the gambling attacking move uh, because we'd just gone a goal down. I would say yes, we we are lacking that one impact striker, someone mm. who he had he had Kevin Phillips, didn't he? Yeah, he could throw on loads of experience. He's a wanker. He's <laughs> a wanker. <laughs> that, that, Albert, that's... Albert, you've massively overused your swear quote. It's Kevin Phillips. That is a swear word. Oh, fair days. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> someone who's going to accept the fact that they're going to start a lot on the bench and going to be fairly pleased with that, to be quite honest. Mm. And um, we, we we need that player. Aaron Wilbraham's not an impact player. He's a backup for me for Glenn Murray. If Glenn Murray's injured, you start Wilbraham. Okay. But um, not, as, not, not as an impact player. All right. Well, um, like you say, we'll have to see what, what um, Ian Holloway does in this January window, how many more will come in. Uh, obviously made one move there in Alex Nimley and we'll, we'll see how he gets a chance. Um, and one of those places he might get a chance is, is Stoke on Tuesday. Um, I want to talk to you generally about team selection. We've got a message in from Jerry. I'll try and summarise. Because um, basically, Jerry, I could just read it because Jerry's done our job for us. Um, it's tempting, isn't it? But um, he's talking about, obviously, the implications of the, the cup replay. Um, he has a concern. Over, well, this is a point worth making. He says, my concerns are more to do with the um, host's physical strengths in that they have a reputation that they have a reputation for and can deploy to say the least that they can be a bit cynical in a tackle as witnessed in the original match um, he said I have every confidence all the way and navigate our season at least into the playoffs providing we can stay clear of injuries to key players and in that respect Stoke presents a testing hurdle um, again he's talk again obviously goes on to talk about whether or not we play Zaha Murray that sort of stuff and you know what and he's asking us what changes would we make um, so before we talk about the last part of Jerry's message which is you know, do we want a successful cup run and so on and so forth? What what do we do? Stoke are a physical side. There's no getting away from that. They do put the tackle in, but they also, you know, they've started to play a, a much better brand of football in recent years as they've improved players season on season. Uh, you know, and they, they did play very, very well against us at Celeste in terms of ball retention. So, um, so what do we think, really, Albert? Well, I definitely played John Waters. <laughs> Yeah, he did extremely well, didn't he, at the weekend? What a shock! Um, 
I'd I'd rest Zaha. I'd rest Balassi. I'd put in Easter. I'd I'd, put, I'd probably go two up top with mm. Easter and Wilbraham because it's it's just gonna it's gonna be it's Tuesday night. It's Stoke. It's gonna be ugly. So let's leave the pretty stuff at home. See, I think Man City awaiting the winners. Um, a home tie. Obviously for us, it would be you pretty much guarantee a full sellers park and you'd guarantee some team a tea money. Hmm. I don't know what my brain's doing. TV money, not tea money. Not a lot. Yeah. Fair. So obviously the the I think the um the sort of the, the stakes have been uh, have risen since sort of the original nil nil aftermath of the nil nil. I didn't feel particularly excited. I wasn't even going to go to the game. Um, certainly going now. Um, I d- I really don't know how I feel because you go you go to Stoke and you play what's essentially reserve side, which is kind of what you're advocating now. But uh, you know as much as we can, not you know having a massive squad to do it. And you go and go there and you get absolutely turned over. It, it, it doesn't do the squad as a whole uh, a, a lot of confidence. However, if you don't give these people a chance, and, and there's a few, there's very few opportunities to give the French players a chance, and you don't know if they're ever going to you know step up. So, don't know your thoughts, John. I would play the more robust players where you can. The likes of your Jedinak. Keep your back four pretty similar. Because um, they all seem to be fairly stable. And, um, well, they'll probably play Lewis Price. I don't see why, but they probably will. Um, but I would leave out the likes of Zahar and Balassi. Players you were likely to get injured. Mm. You know, okay. un- under these sorts of tackles. I would say put even Glenn Murray up front. I think, you know, he had the, he had the game off in the first leg. But I'd say stick him up front. Or Aaron, Aaron Wilbraham, now he's back. He could use some game time. Mm. But um, I'd certainly maybe put a couple of the youngsters on the wings. Yeah, I quite like... Nim- if Nimbley, if, if, if we're allowed to give him a run out, I don't know if he's capped by it. Not, not yeah, it's a good, good question. I would, I would assume not. But I assume he's... I, I don't... We've got for the rest of the season, so there's no reason why he couldn't play for us. No, obviously the only thing to observe is if we were to go through, he wouldn't play in the, ne- the next round because it's yeah. against his parent club, really. Although I don't think that's something you can actually officially agree. I think it's like a gentleman's agreement kind of thing. But anyway, look, I, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I'm, I worry about us playing a reserve side. and But yeah, I mean... I just it's, think it's keeping the more vulnerable players, the, the sort of... You're more flair it's the players, season like, changing players, maybe the, the, the yeah, sort of players that if yeah. for me, basically just Zahar and Balassi. Just if you just keep them and use them as impact, if you need it later on in the day, I think you've got we've got other players. If we can play Nimali, play him, and you've got the likes of a Pyre who can play or Banton. Yeah, Banton. He did really well in the, fir- in the in the first game, so um, you know why not why not put those two on. I know from um, speaking to Bain that he was due to play in a Bain uh, Fedek. That is, he was yeah. due to play in a um, like an eleven v eleven. But he had to. I think he well, we had to miss miss that training session, and that's when Jason Benton was taken into the squad. And you know, he was a bit gutted about that. And hope there maybe there's another chance to to get him involved. Let's like say we had said the other week he had a very good pre season. Mm. Uh, he's a good option on the wing. Certainly, again, maybe, maybe you know, maybe as maybe as a sub, maybe to start. But if we're looking I think at if you to- keep the spine right and then just alter the flair players, I think mm. then you're not putting our reserve team. We're going to get hopefully going to get hammered. Because if you get hammered with that team, you'd have probably got hammered anyway. But, um, but I think at the same so- time, you're protecting your assets. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think those those two. Y- like to have you, like you say, to have two young players in those wide positions. Those are the best positions to, positions to have those in. And I'll just, if, also, if you are losing one nil, run out as well in, in left back. But. If you are losing one nil, what better players to bring on as impact 
than Zahar and Balassi at the club. Yeah. I mean, if you could bring on Zahar, Balassi and Williams, if you're 1-0 down or it's 0-0, like 10, 20 minutes to go. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the real impact that we're looking at. I kind of miss those early days when we used to be able to bring Wilf on as, a, as an impact player, you yeah. know, against a tiring defence. They struggle. They really will struggle. Um, uh, just noticed an email in from uh, Danny uh, saying that he wouldn't wouldn't say give them the tie, but priority state, we must keep the first 11 for the league. We're not going to win the FA Cup. Um, I'm not going to say the next bit of that because we've had too much swearing. Uh, use it to give game time to fringe players, get match fit for the league. Uh, in case of injuries, so again, pretty much what we were just kind of coming to the conclusion. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the, we've got to, we've got to really focus on the league. I mean, this season has presented us with an opportunity, mm. and at the moment, it's sort of like trying to you know trying to catch water. At the moment, it's sort of slipping through our fingers, and um, you know we need to sort of really refocus on the league and addressing some of the issues we've got there. And I think the the cup run's not going to help that. Okay, well let's. Let's wrap this up. We've um, we've decided we're gonna <laughs> thank you to to Jerry and to Danny for the emails on that section. Um, we obviously we we say we're going to pick a, a reserve sort of ish kind of side and fringe players. So what's the predictions for scores, chaps? Uh, I'll go with you first, Albert. Uh, I think we're going to come away on the wrong end of a one nil. Uh, John. Yeah, I'd say I'd, you know I reckon this is going to extra time, unfortunately, but I reckon we'll lose. Oh man, that's going to be such a late journey back. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, thanks. Um, I, I just got a weird feeling we're going to nick it. I think I think we're a bit, I think we'll concede, but I think we might nick it too well. So I'm going to go with that. We we do have to look at the fact that they did take a hammering at the weekend. Mm. So will there be a backlash from that, and uh, or will their confidence be very low, having? Mm. Spanked by Chelsea. Be interesting to see what approach they take. Whether they, you know, I mean, they do take the cup seriously. In, in, well, they have done in previous seasons, but we don't know yeah. what the, the fallout is going to be from the weekend. And it's obviously it's a Tuesday night game. Obviously, the previous match, everyone had had a week rest to prepare, didn't they? So, so it's a very it's a very different game. Very very different game. It'd be interesting. Get some listeners' predictions from Alex if he's there. Alex, I am indeed. Uh, for Stoke. Gaz thinks we're going to go 2 0. We're going to lose 2 0, unfortunately. Aaron Mitchell and Parag Patel believe we'll win 1 0. And Chris Watkins believes it'll be 1 0. And then we'll win 4 3 on penalties, which would be a nice finish, I guess. Well, nice enough if you weren't there. But if you have to wait for penalties and you'll probably end up getting home at 6 in the morning. I'm going to go. Sorry, Chris. I hope your prediction is way wrong. Um, <laughs> Okay, cheers for that, Alex. We'll be back with you in a moment for some more predictions and for some response to the question that we're just about to uh, discuss ourselves. And that's looking ahead to Bolton. Um, we, did we want to go through some four-word reviews for the Burnley um, games? I kind of did, but I just noticed that we were massively overrunning, so I thought I'd gloss it over. But now you've drawn attention to it, I kind of feel almost an obligation to do so. Do you want to say something? Yeah, well, this is, you know... There's some real doom and gloom now. I mean, Dan King said automatic promotion now gone. I wouldn't say I necessarily agree with that. It's still a long way to go in this season. Uh, Paul Dowson says bring on the Bolton. Obviously, that is the game this week as we're about to discuss. And uh, Palace Robbo says learn how to defend. <laughs> well, I'd say just learn how to defend in the last 10 minutes. But, mm. you know, I guess you can't really fit that into a forward review. Maybe say automatic promotion's that. gone. It's only two points away. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got if you. Uh, that was one of the things we didn't really discuss. Is if you look, the results kind of. It's very frustrating. We didn't win because we'd have made up some ground, but it didn't really go very well for any of the teams around us. Although 
Leicester really are coming up quickly and um, Chris Wood has, looks like one hell of a signing from them he single-handedly turned Millwall into a good side briefly so well, yeah, one it's... thing that was was on the the commentary from the Burnley game, mm. listen to it, um, was they said that if Palace were to win the Burnley game, this is when we were a bit in the ascendancy. They said it'd be one of those games that at the end of the season, you'd look at and you know you'd pinpoint that as a turning point as to why we got promoted. Mm. And I just fear the fear the worst that you know actually it was one of those games that we may well have got something out of. And we could pinpoint that game as you know a couple of valuable points gone. I mean, to pick something that our previous manager said when he joined his current club um, after after a defeat, he said you know, he learned more about his players when they when they lost a game than he would have if they won. And I kind of hope that that's that these sort of things will will help in Holloway notice the areas in which he needs to improve at this vital time, and also notice you know certain things, certain characteristics about certain players that you can and can't do the certain things that he's been asking him to do. If you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just hoping that we'll um, we'll put an end to this. Um, Alex, you've highlighted a, a forward review that you wanted to read out there. Yeah, it's uh, Mark Wingrove believes that we should bring back Dougie Friedman, which I'm <laughs> bitterly surprised about, and I'm sure we you are. Guys we've invited are Bolton well. next week. That's it. He'll be back. He'll be back on Saturday for you, Mark. Um, yeah, I can't say. Um, I, again, I think it's probably a bit tongue in cheek there because you know it's obviously not a realistic thing. But um, interesting times. But obviously, Dougie is back um, at the club where he made his name. Um, well, I mean, personally, like in terms of the actual game itself, I do think we we know how Dougie plays. He knows he knows our players, and I think that gives him a big advantage um, coming into the match. I'm not saying that obviously, in Holloway doesn't know Bolton's players and. Our coaching staff won't have a few tricks, but and that things hadn't changed. But but basically, Dougie's got a bit of an advantage in my view. And my fear is that we get a similar result and situation as the Burnley match, where you know we're slightly the better team for a long period, but the we've got we're playing against a well-marshaled defence and we're playing against some good players, and they nick a goal. And I can I can very much see that being the way the game goes. And I'm going to get the predictions out of the way very very quickly. I'm going to go with unfortunately I'm going to go with a one-nil defeat. Uh, John, I think we're going to give Dougie an absolute hiding, and uh, I think I think we're going to win three nil. I honestly do. I think uh, okay. he's going to be a bit overconfident. I think we're going to Ian Holloway's going to play on that, and I think he's a smart bloke, Ian Holloway, mm. and he'll know exactly what to do. Albert, uh, I think we're going to lose, not because I think we're crap, but it's just it's in the stars, isn't it? It's the sort of thing we do. I mean, we yeah. want to change it. We do. We do really want to change that man mentality. I know. Warnock and QPR coming back for the first time. Yeah, still burns in my memory. Yeah, I know. Do you remember? Oh, we've got so. We, I'm getting distracted, but we've got right back into that game quite late on. Our academy boys all sort of linking up and Kieran Cadogan finishing brilliantly and doing a lovely flapping eagle celebration. You think, oh, what a perfect way to sort of send send Warnock off. They got the other end of that lump. Helgerson scores, but anyway, enough about that. Um, it was a foul. It was a foul on Spironi, but you never get that because, well, anyway, let's not get bitter. Or I am bitter. Um, very, very quickly, let's get the predictions from Alex from the listeners. You can have them if you like. Oh no, yeah. you can't. Oh wait, you can. You can. <laughs> it didn't let me at first, but now it does. Gaz again thinks we're going to win one nil. Good on Gaz. Chris and Aaron both believe it'll be a two-one win, and Parag's gone for a big three-nil with a Glen Murray hat trick. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> just, just <laughs> me and um, me and Albert who think we're getting fresh. Then we're not fresh. Beaten. Yeah, well, you know how it goes. Um, okay, listen. The the big question on that that we'll end the show with today: 
was what are you going to... We've been asking all day, well, I say all day, recently. <laughs> what are you, you going to... It's supposed to be all day, it just didn't happen that way. What are you going to do um, when Dougie steps out onto the pitch once more? Um, and are you going to boo or are you going to clap him? Uh, we've got some listener... Do you know what? I, I'm just going to... Alex, if I come to you um, to, to just take us through some of the listener opinions... Um, take us through like the first four and then I'll take us through a few more Joe Mezier says I won't clap him Johnny Gribbin says when he first left I definitely thought yes but now we've calmed down we should give him the reception he deserves Paul Ross says to be honest I believe I ignore him it's in the past now as long as we win I'll be happy Les says no he did what he did as a player for us alright that doesn't make any sense Leon McLeod puts won't boo but won't welcome in any differently to any other manager it's all about ollie and the rest of the boys now okay well, i'm going to pick up on what les has actually said because you just you went mental as you read it i think it says what he did as a player out for us outweighs him deciding to take another manager's job so les feeling that, that dougie's legacy as a player overtakes um any sort of bitterness we might feel about him leaving the manager's job but, um again just to pick on a few more dan morgan said won't be dougie instead i'll concentrate on supporting the palace team uh, James Sorby says, booing him will just show him we were upset when he left. What a compliment to him. Uh, Nick says, I'm not going to boo personally, but don't blame the fans that do. I'll enjoy three points and Holloway's red and blue army a lot more. Vanessa says, no, won't boo Dougie at all. What Dougie done as a player will never be forgotten, especially at Stockport. Let's just do the rest. Dave Carr says, no, we've moved on as a club. Sam Magro says, no, 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 he's a Palace legend, full stop. Chris Watkins says, no, just don't do anything and applaud Holloway loads when he comes out. Uh, Lee Ward uh, says at first I said I'd boo him as I've got no respect for him as a manager however I can't forget what he did as a player so I'd just ignore it and get behind the team instead and treat it as a normal game Patrick O'Connor says not happy with the Friedman saga how he failed to acknowledge the supporters but I would not boo him time to move on Bob Bradley I won't boo him but I will not applaud either if we're winning I will join in and what have you done chorus so the general consensus there is that most people are uncomfortable with booing him, which I say is interesting because you get a very different uh, response when you talk to people at games. Um, it's more very much heavily on the boo side of things when I've talked to people. Um, and again, a lot of people talking about it's his uh, actions as a player that, um, that, that mean that they don't want to boo him and they, that many might actually clap him. Um, and that, you know, I personally, I, I'm, I am a little bit torn because... I kind of in, I enjoy the whole kind of pantomime of it, if you like. I think I think when someone leaves the football club, when when clearly the fans didn't want him to go in general, um, there were probably some that did, but in general the fans didn't want him to go anywhere. And you know, it, it just I think it would be wrong in some ways not to kind of acknowledge it. Um, but as Steve Parrish said when he was on our show, it's not. What he did, what he, what, you know, what he did at, at Palace is were, were, as a manager is actually worthy of, is <laughs> more respect than people seem to give it as well. Yes, he left before the job was finished, and that, you know, that hurts. But he put a lot in place. Unfortunately, that since we've, you know, when since we had that conversation, when Steve came on to talk about Dougie leaving, um, Dougie has since taken some of that stuff away by taking away the staff. If you know what I mean, but. But basically, we are we're in the position we're in now because a lot of because of a lot of the work that he did and a lot of the things that he put in place. So, if it, it, it does feel like when you when you look at it logically, that booing him is completely unacceptable because he was such a fantastic player for us and because he did some great work as a manager before he walked. But I can't escape the fact that 
it, it's it's the what you do, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of what you do when a when someone walks out on you and doesn't kind of acknowledge you. In a foot, in fo- it's in football. That's what what happens. Like, just do you know what I mean? Does anyone know what I mean, I, John? I, I, I think you I think you got to take a step back from the situation and sort of look at it all in perspective. And you know, I've done that. And yeah, I'm going to boo the living daylights out of him. You know, if I'm good, I would take all of the little, you know, sugar sachets he uses for his coffee, and I'd fill them with salt. I'd put salt in his water, and I'd I'd write boo on the little uh, little bottle as well. But just so, so you can see it all game. In fact, just leave a little sign in front of the Bolton dugout. It says, Boo Dougie. Boo Dougie. You know, you know it's. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? He's my favourite play- Palace player of all time. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why. I don't really. I don't usually subscribe to the player booing, but yeah. I will make an exception for Dougie. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Albert, what's your point? <laughs> I don't know if I'd boo him as such, but. Do you remember during the Euros, there was that England fan behind the goal in the penalties that got his cock out? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, I've, I might do something similar. <laughs> All right, that's a good response. Uh, Alex, if you're still there, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily boo him because I respect him for what he did as a player and even beating Brighton, Man U, not losing to Millwall. And, but I think he turned his back on us. Now, that would encourage me to sing Holloway Holloway's Red and Blue Army even louder and get behind my players I won't waste my time singing about him and I won't compliment him by by singing rubbish about him Uh, it'll make me sing Holloway's Red and Blue Army louder and show him what he's missing yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right, and, and the people like um, Dan Morgan and, and Lee Ward as well, who, who messages saying that, that they're just going to and um, and Chris Watkins as well. We basically all said that it exactly as you said that it's all about supporting Palace and not worrying, not not sort of getting involved in the circus that's following the, you know, the kind of backstory. It'll be hard. I mean, I still maintain that that it's kind of part of football to forego logic. You know, I do it every Saturday. And there's no way I should get up, go to the pub at opening time, get completely tanked, and then try and remember a football match to do a radio show. But I seem to try and do it every week. So you kind of, you know, logic doesn't always have a place uh, as a football fan. I'm going to boo you. <laughs> you probably should. <laughs> I want to get like 20,000 people to boo Hambo. Hambo. The Hambo. Oh, fantastic place to end it. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again next week. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.